It's been on my heart for a while to talk about and to remind our church just why we're here and what we're all about. And the passage that has resonated with me over that time has been Acts 2.42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, continue attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When studying a passage, one of the responsibilities, one of the ways that I've been taught, and you learn this in hermeneutics classes, homiletics classes, classes on how to preach and to interpret scripture. Um, you look for repetitive words. You look to see um, what, what the author is, is originally trying to communicate, the author's original intent. And one of the words that just are words that keep coming out in this passage is the word all and the word together. And I think it fits so well for what we are going to be talking about today. Last week, we started in 42a, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we just talked about the necessity, the priority, the preeminence of preaching God's word of being men and women who are students of God's Word, men and women who build in their lives a love and a respect and a dependence upon God's Word. But Luke doesn't stop with apostolic teaching. He doesn't stop with a devotion to God's word. He, he goes horizontal. And he now tells us, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. To the fellowship. Now, by way of reminder, Acts was written by Luke. It's a continuation of his gospel as he recounts the life of the early church. In Acts 1, he writes, in the, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. But be aware that Acts is a continuation of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so when we read about devotion to God's word, we read about devotion to fellowship, we are seeing what Jesus is continuing to do, the work he's continuing to do in the life of his disciples, in the life of the church. He is at work. Now, Acts is the definitive work 
in all of Scripture on the spread of Christianity in the early church. And it's a definitive work on how the early Christians began and how they lived. It's the place where we can trace the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who have put their faith in Christ. The work of the Spirit is revealed here most prominently in the early church. It's life together and it's mission together. Kevin DeYoung says this of the book of Acts. He says, the book of Acts is especially important because in it we can actually see the scope and nature of the earliest Christian mission. If you're looking for a picture of the early church giving itself to creation care, plans for societal renewal, and strategies to serve the community in Jesus' name, you won't find them in Acts. But if you're looking for preaching, teaching, and the centrality of the Word, this is your book. The story of Acts is the story of the earliest Christian efforts to carry out the commission given to them. This does not mean that the church in Acts is one big evangelistic rally or inductive Bible study. We see the church devoted to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, as well as the apostles' teaching. But there is no doubt that the book of Acts is a record first and foremost of the apostolic witness expanding from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. De Young's point is that we as a church exist for this mission. It's what we are called to. And as a church, we must be devoted to the very same things these new Christians were devoted to because our devotion is critical to the continuation of our mission. Mission is one of those words that gets thrown out so, so easily and um, just we are inundated with mission and missional and we just, it, it's, it's the buzzword in the Christian world and there's nothing wrong with the word mission. It's a good word and it describes who we are and what we're about. But, but the word mission, you can say the word mission and it's just as though somehow this anesthesia just goes over the group. And people's eyes begin to glaze over because, yeah, yeah, mission. I've heard the word mission. And, and, and you just begin to go on screensaver. You know? <laughs> but it's who we are. And it's what we're all about as a church. We are on mission. We're on mission. There is a world around us that we used to be a part of where our eyes were darkened and our minds were darkened and our souls were darkened and we were dead in our trespasses and sins and we did not know the love of Christ and we did not have the light of Christ in our lives and we were living as everybody else and we were on a pathway to an eternity that had nothing to do with God except for his wrath 
and his judgment and his eternal punishment. And somewhere, someone along the way spoke. And the precious good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, invaded. Invaded. God changed us. And when he changed us, he immediately added us to his family. And we call that the church. As a church, we must be devoted to this mission. As a church, we must be devoted to one another. And I I share this so that we don't lose sight of why Luke describes in the early church so vividly and in such detail what goes on. Christians must be more than individuals who hang together because they have something in common, like fans at a football game, or because we have a common opponent in the culture. So we've banded together to fight together, which is not the reason we're together. We can't huddle together as a community intent on just being safe from the world. We've been called to a supernatural, unique, and dynamic community that lives together in a manner that's so radically different from the culture around us that it impacts that culture in either one or two ways. When we are together as the church, when we bring to bear upon our lives this word fellowship, being devoted to fellowship, the world is going to take notice. And one or two things are going to happen. We will either be the fragrance of life or the fragrance of death to the world around us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death. To the other... A fragrance from life to life. Whichever we are to the culture around us, what is, nece- what is necessary is to have lives that are devoted to the things God tells us to be devoted to. His word, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer and evangelism. Last week, we looked at the most important element in this passage of our life together, devotion to the preaching of Scripture, being devoted to the apostolic teaching. And this week, we're going to be looking at devoted to fellowship. This, this was a whole new concept. Fellowship was a whole new concept, not practiced by the Jewish community. Simply because this lifestyle of togetherness, this lifestyle of fellowship is reserved for the kingdom of God. Familiar to many of us is the word koinonia. And we've heard that word used in a variety of ways. 
Many years ago, there was the disease of koinonitis going around in some churches, as people would declare. People who were just huddled together and weren't thinking mission, they were thinking inward. But the word koinonia is a, is a word, a Greek word, from the, from the koine Greek, which was the common language of the day. And koinonia simply means a commonness or a commonality. This koinonia is first used in this passage right here. It's not in the Gospels, but here beginning in Acts chapter 2. The root idea is that we have a commonality to be together. Every time this word is used throughout the New Testament, it, it denotes the idea of sharing. Sharing our, our lives together in a variety of ways. And verse 44 through 46 describes how this looks. And all who, were, all who believed were together. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. My friends, true fellowship is defined by sharing a spiritual life together as we listen to God's words preached, as we pray together, as we praise together, as we witness together, but it is also defined by a practical life together. As we eat meals together, we materially provide for those around us who are in need, and we just regularly meet together. We hang out. It was and is how our lives are to be lived in the kingdom of God. A spiritual life together and a practical life together. Fellowship. This, and this is foundational to our church life. It's foundational to Grace Church. The reason why we honor and commit to church membership in this local church is that it leads us to cultivate these two kinds of intentional relationships. Spiritual and practical. The operative word being intentional. My proposition is simply this. Christ-centered fellowship is a devotion to growing as disciples, helping one another grow as disciples, and making new disciples. Christ-centered fellowship is a devotion to growing as disciples, helping one another grow as disciples and making new disciples. And the first main point is we share a spiritual life together. At the core of our fellowship in sharing a spiritual life and practical life together is first and foremost our identity and our union with Jesus Christ who Luke records by the Spirit now fellowships with us. That, that fellowship leads to our unity. That the, the giving of the Spirit is, is the power and impetus behind 
our life together and the fellowship that we experience. Fellowship is sharing first a spiritual life together. We rally around God. Our, our church our church doesn't find its life in programs. It doesn't find its life in church picnics or homeschool co-ops or game nights. All great things. Our church finds its life rallying around our relationship with Christ, our unity with Jesus, our identity in Christ. Fellowship is a creation of the Holy Spirit. And it begins with the Holy Spirit fellowshipping with us, which is foundational to our fellowshipping with one another. 2 Corinthians 13, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It begins with our fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. First John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. This may seem like elementary 101. Oh yeah, to fellowship with one another, we have to have fellowship with God. True, it is elementary. But it's where it all begins. Our unity, our union, our identity in Christ, our fellowship with God the Father, our fellowship with the Son is what is the groundwork, the foundation of our fellowship with one another. It is our Christ-centered fellowship that unites us because it's, it's fellowship that's connected by God's love for us and then our love for one another. Love from other Christians Love for other Christians propels our mission forward. Believers are together because they are supernaturally connected to Christ. The reason you're here today is because of your connection, your relationship with Christ. Guaranteed, Apart from our relationship with Christ, there's probably a lot of you in this room who would not want to hang out with me. Oh, don't laugh. I wouldn't want to hang out with you either. <laughs> Whatever different backgrounds and worlds and likes and dislikes we have and we come from, those are the very things that pressure us to pull away from fellowship. I hate cheese. Most of you like cheese. Who wants to fellowship over that? 
There's so many different likes and dislikes and variety in the room. It is miraculous that we come together and sit together in a care group and share our lives, open up who we are and what is going on in our lives and asking for prayer and encouraging one another and challenging one another and confessing our sins to one another. And we're doing it with a group of people that for the most part we may not have much in common with. Wow. Why? How does that happen? Because we're fellowshipping with God. We have a spiritual life, and that spiritual life is a life that we share with others. And it's what helps us to grow as disciples, and it's what helps us to help one another grow as disciples. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is writing about the church. And he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. And then he goes on to talk about if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. He goes on to describe the the eyes and the hands and the feet, and, and he ends up saying this, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. I love that. God took this diverse group of people and joined us together in spiritual union. A diverse group of people, some quirky. We need quirky. Just all very different. Rallying around the cross of Jesus Christ. Believers are together because they are super, supernaturally connected by their faith in Christ. And, and we're together because we have at our foundation the same biblical essentials as well as the practical things. We believe this is the the Word of God. Infallible, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, perfect for all of life and practice. We rally around the truth of the Trinity. One God, three persons, each fully God. We rally around sound doctrine and a love for the gospel. A shared spiritual life is what propels us forward. It's what allows us to fulfill the very life that Jesus lived and what Paul talks about in Philippians 
where he says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That, the fact that we look out for the interests of others, or we consider others more important than ourselves, that's, that's radical. Spiritual relationships are ones that are lived out in obedience to God's word, primarily in the local church where we build a relational history together and where we can grow as disciples, we can help one another grow as disciples and we can make new disciples. Sharing a spiritual life together creates fellowship for us. We experience this when our conversations are salted with the truth of Scripture, the recounting of God's word in our work in our lives, the confessing of our sins to one another, and endeavoring to live in obedience to the, the passages of Scripture like love one another, pray for one another, share with one another, encourage one another, admonish one another. Mark Dever said this, he said, we want to see relationships where it is normal to talk about spiritual things. Not where conversation is never about football or kids or politics, but where conversation with no spiritual grounding would be unusual. Spiritual relationships helps protect us from the danger of cultural drift. Dever goes on to say, hold on. A quick skim through the New Testament leaves the unambiguous impression that the local church is exceedingly important in God's economy. It makes his gospel visible. It safeguards us from self-deception and it grows us in love. Consequently, a life centered on the community of the local church is significantly more likely to be lived out strategically in God's sight than a life where the local church languishes as a peripheral detail. Like a centrifuge, however, the faster life spins, the more the church gets pushed to the outer edges of a Christian's life. Consider all the forces conspiring to minimize the importance of the local church. Career, location, recreation, and family. I experienced this in my own life. My girls were, were swimmers. Marilyn swam in high school. She was a lifeguard for many, many years, a water safety instructor. She, she taught swimming lessons. She, and she loved the water. Marilyn lived by the water. She, she just enjoyed pool life. And my girls um, adopted their mom's love for pool life. And so they swam a lot. They, and they became elite swimmers. And they were swimming um, practices in the morning and practices in the evening. And it's, a, it's one of the it's one of the regrets I have in regards to leading or lack of leading my family because I can tell you over about a seven-year period, there were many, many nights where dinner was 
just grab what you can rather than gathering together as a family because either David was at basketball and Carrie had the 4 o'clock swim practice because she was younger and Jenny had the 6 p.m. swim practice because she was older and basically Marilyn and I lived in the car running back and forth trying to manage all of the sports and, and, and events in the lives of my children which there's nothing wrong with sports. I'm grateful that, that the kids got Marilyn's intelligence and my athletic ability. <laughs> Don't laugh at my wife's intelligence. She's really smart. <laughs> I love sports. I have a degree in physical education and health. I was a high school basketball coach. There's nothing wrong with sports. What was wrong was the forces conspiring that the centrifuge kept spinning and that spinning just... And and I'm a pastor and the church was not on the periphery but family life and and family devotions and, and building a spiritual life together as a family got frayed. And... Sharing a spiritual life together is designed to protect us. Designed to guard us. Designed to help us. And thank God there were friends in the church, brothers in the church who came to me and just said, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Are you aware? And, you know, I'm kind of like in the tornado just spinning. So I don't even really know at times which way I'm going. And it was, okay, it's a time to pull back. It wasn't, I wasn't saying, you know, no, don't get in my business. No, I'm glad you're in my business. Fellowship is sharing a spiritual life together. Centered around the nor- being it normal to talk about spiritual things. Secondly, fellowship is sharing a practical life together in Christ. A life devoted to God's word, yes, and to spiritual friendships, yes, but it will express itself in practical ways that will bring joy to your life, joy to your souls. Verse 44 through 46 describes a practical life together. And all who believed were together. Physically. Together. They were hanging out. And they were together as well spiritually. Had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I just... I love that idea of taking care of those in need. It's why we collect food for the food bank every month. It's it's why we have a heart of mercy. It's what God has instilled in us. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. We spend time together. 
The other night at our care group, we had our care group meeting, and it was it was a it was a great care group. It was a quirky care group. It was um, it was just uh, we talked about the Sunday message, which is really hard for me in care group because I'm not leading the care group. Chris is doing a great job leading. Chris Loftness is leading my my care group, but then he wants to talk about the Sunday message. So what did you think about the Sunday message, Larry? Oh, I thought it was outstanding. I would, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I, I've listened to it five times since, uh, no, it's kind of hard to talk about the message that I just preached, but we do it anyway. Chris presses on. He doesn't care if I'm struggling, embarrassed or whatever. He just presses on. Let's talk about it. And in the midst of that, we're also playing a game. And there's competition going on. And Tiff Groveman's yelling at me, get that piece off the board. (laughs) We're having a grand time together. And there's food. There's regular M&Ms for me, peanut M&Ms for Marilyn. Ice cream. Somebody put cheese out there. Um, (laughs) Which I actually tried. But we just lived life together. We hung out together. And it was centered, first and foremost, on our love for Christ and our love for one another and our desire to be together. There was life. These folks in Jerusalem didn't all live together in a commune. You know, it it says here that they were breaking bread in their homes. They met together in the temple. So there there was an exercise of going and making an effort to be together. Next week, I'm looking forward to Devin when he preaches on breaking bread in their homes and, and prayer and hearing about hospitality. Verse 44 here says that, and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as any had need. And yet another way we do this, we share God's abundance that we have to one another in our church because we care for one another. We share God's abundance with those outside our church. How encouraged I was as I watched Michelle and Dave DiCarlo this past Christmas go to um, the home, the, the, the building in Gaithersburg, uh, Forest Oak, and serve the, those who were less fortunate, those who didn't have a lot, and provide this wonderful spread, this meal for them. But more importantly, more importantly, That care group sat down with these people, some who were individuals living alone in small apartments, and just spent an hour chatting with them, listening to them, expressing the love of Christ. Marilyn was sitting and talking to this woman from the Ukraine, and I came over and sat down, and Marilyn introduced her, and I said, Dasvidaniya which is in Russian, you know, I, I greeted her in Russian. And Marilyn looked at me like, what? Where did you learn that? I said, well, all those years that I've been traveling for Sovereign Grace, actually 
the CIA and I go... (laughs) But if you had seen this woman's eyes just shine. Oh my. I I can't thank the DeCarlos enough for their heart to see the community cared for, to share with those in need. I, I, I'm so, I just, I, I just bask in the memory of watching literally 10 scores of people going over to Chris and Allie Loftus' house this summer, painting and carpentry and cleaning and gardening and just to get that young couple into their home, a home that... Um, you wouldn't even see on a flip show. Um, And yet Chris had this faith and dove in there. And it is an amazing place now. He cleaned it, cared for it. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Allie had faith. Chris was like, I'm not moving into this place. (laughs) And then the Mazes care group, as they go over to Sharon Pyle's house and clean her yard, Or the Wethjies care group as they go into Germantown and serve at um, the food center. Um, I mean, brothers and sisters, that's sharing a practical life together. That's living out fellowship because they're not doing it individually. They're doing it together. And what what I just so love here, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. There's, a, there's just this commitment to being together, to fellowshipping, to sharing a spiritual life, to talk about what God is doing in their lives and a practical life, to serve and to have fun, to enjoy each other, just rallying it all around. Their commitment to Christ and their covenant with this local community. Brothers and sisters, these things happen when we're committed to a local church. A life centered on a local church and commitment to a local church, involvement in a local church is counter-cultural. Fellowship looks like something. It's not just a word. It looks like something. It has practical meaning. It has practical outworking. It makes demands upon us. Fellowship costs something. It costs time. It costs money. It costs your convenience. It costs your ambitions. It costs your own personal desires at times. Fellowship costs something. It demands that we follow Christ with other Christians. It understands that our fellowship must be motivated by our commitment to Christ. Why why do you commit to one local church? Why are you committed to Grace Church? Is it because you like the building we're in? I'm sure that draws you on a Sunday morning. Is it because the music that we play and our congregational singing? Well, that has a lot of merit with Devin and Abe and Mitch and Garrett. Yeah, we have great worship leaders. But is that why we're committed here? Are we committed here because 
(laughs) You can come and go as you please and no one's going to ask you about it? No. Is it because the preacher tells the best stories? Well, absolutely not. What, What gets you? Why are you committed? Well, we are committed to one local church because above all else, we believe God. God is the one who has placed us in a particular church. For those who are members here at Grace Church, we believe God has called us to be a part of this community. Devotion to genuine fellowship is not consumerism. We don't attend a local church because the worship is good or the preaching is good or the, the picnics are great or whatever. Because when those things tend to not be so good at times, we think, well, yeah, let's go find some place where that's good again. I mean, life is lived. You, you vote with your feet. Go to a restaurant, service is bad, you vote with your feet. You don't go back. And that, sadly, in our day and age, is what the church has been like. People have adopted the mentality that I can just vote with my feet. Missing the understanding that it is God who places the members in the body as it pleases him. It is God who joins us together. Not that you can't leave a local church. There are legitimate reasons to go to another local church. But we must battle the consumerism that has invaded not just our culture in general, but the culture of the Christian life. And that consumerism is most, I think, eradicated when we fellowship with one another, when we build our lives around one another and the sharing of our lives together, the sharing of God's word in our lives, understanding what it means to have normal conversations around the cross of Christ and then seeing its outworking in the way we live practically together. Devotion to genuine fellowship is difficult, if not impossible, from commitment to a local church because we only commit to what we know. When we're devoted, it it has expression. And in, in Acts, that expression was they shared a spiritual life together and they shared a practical life together. Oh, and... Lord willing, that will be, that is, and that will be, and continue to be Grace Church. So what's our application? Devotion occurs and it grows in the soil of church life. When we commit to a local church, we make a visible statement of our commitment to Christ and one another so that true fellowship can happen in an atmosphere of trust. 
devotion occurs when we commit to a local church, it helps protect us from independent living and drifting. I'm glad that when you're not here a couple of weeks in a row, regardless if you're on vacation or you had to travel for work or you're sick and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I haven't seen you. That's exactly what they should be doing. They should be in your business. If they're not, then you're not part of a family. You just belong to a club where you can come and go, maybe pay some dues, and get some cute little red hat that you can wear when you show up. We're not a part of a club. Commitment to an involvement in a local church creates fellowship because it protects us from being independent and drifting. It also gives us the the blessing and protection of accountability. And when we commit to a local church, it allows you to be known personally by your pastor who desires to care for you. The great promise Jesus made to his disciples and us is that he would send another helper, the Holy Spirit, who would teach us, who would counsel us, who would preserve us. The Spirit, as we sang this morning, the Spirit guarantees our hope until Jesus returns and our redemption is done. That Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit we fellowship with. So that we can fellowship with one another. You've been given the Holy Spirit to be a seal, a guarantee that yours, your Christ's, you belong to Him and you belong to His church. And He will preserve you until that final day. And during that time, you get to fellowship with Him and with His people. Devotion is the word here that is the hallmark of the early church. The Greek word for devotion is they were continually devoted. This church was governed by an ongoing devotion empowered by the Spirit. And so are we. The Holy Spirit has made it so. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to thank you for my church. I want to thank you that you have joined us together because we're joined to you. And Lord, I pray that the fellowship of the Spirit, I pray that the relationships that characterize a family would continue to grow and expand here in Grace Church. And Lord, for those in our church this morning, those who are members of our church who do feel lonely on the outside, would you please bring them in? 
Help us to see who they are. Help us to reach out so that all are joined together in fellowship. All are joined together in sharing a spiritual and practical life together. All are joined together so that we can be on mission to show the world what love looks like. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.